good morning. I hope you're excited about Palm Sunday. We're excited. Thanks, Aaron. We're excited about Grandma Evelyn being in heaven today. That is a, a really good thing. And if, if you have never had the privilege of being with someone who loves Jesus when they die, if that's a parent or a grandparent, if you ever get that privilege, I encourage you to take it. It has been my privilege now to be with my... I was with my grandpa when he died. Very uh, godly Christian man. I was with my dad when he died. And again, just to see how the death of a believer is very sweet. We don't have to be afraid of death. Death, where's your sting? The Bible says, oh, grave, where's your victory? We'll hear more of that next week. I do want to encourage you all this week, uh, I know many of you are reading through the Bible. That is a great thing to do. Be Keep reading through your daily walk. But take a little extra time this week for Easter week and read about the passion of our Lord. Read about His last week. You can read it in Matthew or Mark, Luke, and John records a whole lot of different things that the others don't. Take a little extra time this week. Think about Easter. Folks, it is not about chocolate eggs. It is about a risen Savior. And get excited about what He did. Listen to His teachings. And uh, learn from Christ this week in your quiet time. You'll be blessed for that. Okay, well we've been working our way through the book of Colossians. It's amazing, as I have thought about it, how much Easter there is in the book of Colossians. You say Easter in the book of Colossians? Well, it doesn't. while it doesn't describe... It doesn't describe the events of Jesus last week. Some of the things that we have learned about, remember back in um, chapter 1, it talked about how God delivered us from the domain of darkness and He transferred us to the kingdom of His Son. Um, and it says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's in chapter 1. How did He do that? How did Christ deliver us from the domain of darkness and, and transfer us into the kingdom of uh, His beloved Son? How did God do that? He died for us. It's about Easter. In uh, chapter 1, it says, You who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, remember this, He is now what? Reconciled. How did He do that? In His body of flesh, by His death, in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. Christ did all of that at Easter. In the book of Colossians, read about this. Chapter 2. He says, uh, he says, for in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells, and you have been filled with Him. We have been filled with God because Christ died so that we could have Christ in our hearts. And it talks about um, how we were buried with Him. Christ was buried at Easter, but we were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God in chapter 2, who raised Him from the dead. When did all that happen? At Easter. We've got a reason to be excited this week, folks. And you, lastly, from chapter 2, last week, who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive. Remember last week we drew a tombstone up here, right? We drew a tombstone and we said, God, those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sin, God made us alive. Pulled us out of the grave, just like He pulled Jesus up out of the grave. We have been made alive together with Him. And He's forgiven us all of our trespasses. And how did He do that? Remember last week? If you were here, by canceling the record of death that stood against us. Remember that IOU? What did God do with your IOU and my IOU? He nailed it. He nailed it. He nailed it to a cross. And what happened when that happened? 
Then all of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set aside as he nailed it to the cross. Folks, there's a whole lot of Easter in Colossians. And today we're going to talk about uh, the new self and how we are raised with Christ. We can't go into chapter 3 and think about what God would speak to us, tell us to do without keeping in mind all the things that God has already done. Let's just take our Bibles and read here. We'll read the first 17 verses in Colossians chapter 3. Okay. From verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's take a moment and pray. Precious Father, we love You. And we love You only because You first loved us. And we gather this morning here, a group of believers our friends, we are here together, Lord, to hear from You, from Your Word. We thank You for this good Word. Father, we know You said, Jesus, on Your way to the cross, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to Myself. 
Lord, we pray that this morning we would lift up Jesus. That in our hearts we would honor Him. As we speak, we would speak His words. And it would be the Holy Spirit who touches our hearts with the Word of God this morning. And that we would receive this Word as it is, the Word of God in heaven above. Father, we pray that we would do what You would have us to do. But remind us, first and foremost, Lord, that all that we do is in Christ. And that we have to understand who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us to make it possible for us to live a Christian life that is pleasing and will bring glory to you. Bless our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, as we get into our outline this morning, I think it's important there. Um, We've been talking about therefores in the Scripture, right? We ask the question, why is it therefore? What is this therefore, therefore? Because Paul has just got done saying last week, okay, because you are raised with Christ, we don't want to be stuck with little regulations. Don't eat, don't touch, don't handle, don't taste. There, and and we're, we can't be all stuck on, you've got to observe, observe this holy day and that Sabbath. And there's a whole lot of things that we can get distracted by. And folks would be distracting us from the, the God of the Bible and Christ's salvation. And he says, we don't want to do those things. Therefore, since all of those things are in place, and he goes on here at the very beginning here on your island, it says, therefore, uh, since you have been raised with Christ... Circle that right there. You have been raised with Christ. Since you have been raised with Christ, what does He tell us to do? First He says to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The first thing we want to do, and and this is all all based on the fact that a believer, someone who has placed their faith in Christ, has been raised with Christ in the past tense. Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ at, a, in a, at another time, he's talking to Christians in Colossae, at another time in your life, you trusted in Christ, you put your faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, you were raised with Christ, it says then, you should seek the things that are above. Now the word seek... Um, it is closely related to the word desire. What is it that you want? What is it that you're seeking? And he says here, if you're, you're since you've been raised with Christ, you should have your you should be seeking in your heart. You should be wanting those things that are above. There's a lot of things that are that are on the earth. We'll talk about those in a minute. But the things that we're supposed to be seeking are those things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When you close your eyes and you imagine the glory of God so immaculate and wonderful, you can't even look upon it. And then as you think about that, it would be to, to your left. Think about God on His throne and it would be to our left. But it's on God's right. There is Christ seated with God. What's there? Oh, there's a lot of things that are there. There's a lot of glory. There's a lot of holy angels. There's a lot of creatures that we couldn't even imagine to, to or it would be hard to describe. And they're there, and they're with God. And He says, okay, the things of God, His kingdom, those are the things you should want. Seek the things. You might put a little, little picture of a heart there after the word things. Seek the things. In your heart, want the things. Want those things where Christ is, at the right hand of God. 
Okay? Now if I want those things, the second thing I need to do is I need to set my mind on them. Okay? You set your mind on it. I'm going to use a, a kind of an earthly example here. I remember when my heart got set on this young lady, my wife, Brenda. Okay? And once my heart got set on her, that was my desire. Then I began to think about what can I do to achieve what I want. And you know what? I wanted her to be my wife. And I'll say this to my young men. If there's ever a young woman that you want to be your wife, Jesus does a really good job of showing you how to go about getting her attention. The Bible says we love him because what? He first loved us. Jesus was the one who started this love affair. He set his desire on us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. If there's something you want, then you go after it. You set your mind on it. How do I get there? How can I achieve what my heart wants? So first you have to seek it in your heart. You've got to have it in your heart. Then you set your mind. This has to do with more, more tangible things like what am I thinking about? What can I think that will lead me to this? This is the goal. And, the, and the setting my mind on the, on the plans, set my mind on the things that are going to get me to the goal, not on the things on the earth. If we set our mind, first we seek it, we want it, we set our mind on those things that are about not on the earth, then we're going to be in a position for God's Holy Spirit to work in us to move forward toward the goal. That's what we're doing. We're going to seek the things that are above. We're going to set our mind on things on, that are above, not on the earth. Okay? Not on the earth. And again, why is this so important? Because I have been raised with Christ. All of this goes back to who we are in Jesus. This is You've seen those, um, those uh, stunt men will do a uh, stunt on television and they have a little phrase on sometimes a little... Disclaimer, don't try this at home, right? You shouldn't try this alone. Do not try to live or walk the Christian life without the power of God having first raised you from the dead. We are raised with Christ. What is the verb tense here? When the Bible says you have been raised with Christ, where is that in time? Thank you. It's in the past. That was something that took place when you trusted Christ as your Savior and you were buried with Him in baptism, you were raised again, you were walking with Christ, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, you've been raised with Christ. This is critical. This is key. Because all the things we talk about through the rest of this uh, lesson is got this as its foundation. Okay. So, look at what it says here. In verse 3, he says, We're going to set our mind on things that are above, not on the earth. Here's why. The four in verse 3, look at your Bible there. Verse 3, for what? It's kind of like a therefore or a because. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did he change verb tenses? Look at it. He says, you have died. Something that happened when you trusted Christ in your past, if you are a Christian, and your life is hidden. What's the verb tense with is? Present. That's now. I died with Christ, and now my life is hidden with Christ in God. You might turn your paper over. I want to give you a little illustration of this, okay? And on the back of your paper, in the middle of your paper, just write the word Christ. Okay? Don't write it super big, but write the word Christ. Alright. 
Do any of you see yourself hidden in Christ? I'll, I'll tell you how. Who said it? Yeah. Make a little bitty, little bitty thing on the top of that vowel, and a little bitty thing on the top of that vowel. And there you are. I am hidden with Christ. Where am I hidden with Christ? With Christ in God. My life is hidden with Christ in God. And when we when we are raised by uh, when we are raised with Christ, we we believed and trusted in Christ. Then what happens is it says here in verse three, you have died. Your life is hidden. What you had for a life is now hidden with Christ in God. You can't even really see yourself here, can you? No, because you're hidden. You're hidden with Christ in God. And that's what it says. This is um, why we're going to have a heart for the things that are above. We're going to set our mind on the things that are above. Because I've died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. Now look at verse 4. What's it say next? It says here, When Christ, who is your life, appears, what will happen? Then you also will appear with Him in glory. When Jesus Christ appears, what happens to His body? His body gets to appear with Him as well, right? When Jesus Christ gets married as the bridegroom, who's going to be there with Him? The bride. That's us. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when He appears, we all who are Christians will get to appear with Him in glory. And it will be glorious. Look down at verse 5 now. Now He's going to... We have another therefore. You see that therefore? Put to death, therefore, okay, because I'm in Christ, I'm hidden with with Christ in God, therefore, now he's going to get practical. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Okay, now Paul's going to get specific. What is earthly within me? First of all, let's put it to death. Put to death. There's another tombstone. We're going to put to death. We're going to put to death. We're going to say, wait a minute. I have died to all those things, I'm going to put them to death. Therefore, put to death what kind of things? What is earthly within you? Immorality. Sexual immorality. Loved ones, is our culture being plagued by sexual immorality? And not only that, what's interesting in the book of Romans it says because we did not want to retain God in our knowledge, you know what God does? He gives them over to a reprobate mind to do all kinds of sexually immoral things. It's interesting that actually being given over to do those kind of things is already the judgment. Some of you think, what is God going to do to judge America? He has already begun this judgment in a sense that He has given us over. You don't want to keep God in your knowledge, folks? Fine. Have it your way. Remember the old... Burger King, have it your way, right? That's how it is. If you don't want to focus on loving God, you don't want to make God the number one love of your life, God's going to be like, fine. You don't want to keep in your knowledge? I'll give you over and you can have it your way. You can just see how that works out for you. It's not working out that well for us, folks, in America. Sexual
sexual immorality is killing families. It is killing young people. It is destroying our culture. And it's the first thing the apostle says. Now, because you're a Christian, you don't have to go there. You as a Christian can put these things to death. Immorality, impurity, that would have to do with impure thoughts, impure attitudes, impure relationships, passion, evil desire. Are you seeing kind of a pattern here? I mean, there's a lot of folks who are after things that are evil. They, they want more of what lust does, and they want more of this and more of that evil desires. But lest any of us kind of like, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not over there in that crowd. Then he puts in covetousness, which is idolatry. It's interesting, of all these things he tells us to put to death, the only commentary he makes is on this last one, which is covetousness. By the way, what's the tenth commandment? Thou shalt not covet. What does that word mean? It means to want something that you don't have. It could be, you could be looking at your neighbor's hairdo. You could be looking at your neighbor's uh, fancy jeans. You could be looking at your neighbor's Harley. I'm just saying. Not that I would ever lust after someone's Harley. No, I, I tell you what, I am capable of lusting after somebody's Harley or somebody's house. You can lust after their wife, their job, their husband, their kids. You can lust after anything. You can want what someone else has. It's just a want what someone else has. It's covetousness. And God says, when you want something that someone else has, covetousness, by the way, he says, that's idolatry. Put that to death. Because I have been raised with Christ. I don't have to go around wanting what you have. Because I have what I have and what I need in Christ. Okay? So we're going to put those things to death. That's what he says here in verse 5. Why is this so important? He says in verse 6, On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Alright? The wrath of God is coming. Right? And who's it coming on? He says, it's coming on, on, a wrath, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And now he talks about us. He says, in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. You know, I don't remember temptation being such a problem until I became a Christian. You know why? It's like canoeing. When you're canoeing down the stream, do you, is the current a problem? No, I'm going downstream. Forget the fact there's a waterfall down there. I'm just going downstream. But a lot of people go through life and they're going down the current of life with all of its temptations. No problem. I didn't notice temptations until I turned to Christ. And I all of a sudden, the things that I used to do that God would say, now don't do, are I'm being tempted to do. Now it's sin. And I understand that. But you know what happens? And this is, this is a great analogy. God doesn't make you paddle upstream by yourself. Can you imagine going out here to the Bear River? And taking the canoe. Oh shoot, we forgot the, the cooler back at two sandbars. We're going to paddle back to that thing. That's a lot of hard work. Some of you are shaking your heads. You might have done that before. Well, what happens is in the Christian life is the whole the Christian canoe has a square back. You know why it has a square back? That's where the Holy Spirit comes on and mounts a little motor. And he helps you move up the current against life. Right? You can't do this on your own. The Holy Spirit is helping us. But he says, he says here, you once walked in them. That just used to be your mode of operation, right? That's how you, that's how you move. That's how you operate. He says, well, he says, in them you once walked when you were living in them. But, verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Let's picture this as a garbage can, okay? 
We're going to put them all away. Not only are we we putting to death immorality, impurity, all these sexual passions, evil desires, and covetousness, but now we're going to put away, put these in the can, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. Do you know what anger is? Anyone here? Who, is there anyone here who doesn't struggle with anger? Getting, I mean, sinfully angry? What does the Bible say in Ephesians about anger? Be ye angry, right? Someone said that, right? The Bible says, be ye angry. And the rest of the verse says, and don't sin when you get angry. Is it easy for you to sin when you get angry? I've sinned in anger a lot of times. And, and the Bible warns us, I need to put my anger... I need to put it away. Wrath is this kind of... The Greek word is like a... It's like thumos. Thumos. Which means like... If you say thumos, it's thumos. Like a firework. You know, you're a volcano going off on your wife and your children or whoever's around. Thumos. Put off the wrath. And malice. What is malice? You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to get even. It's anger with an intent to hurt the other one back. Slander. Have you ever been slandered? Have you ever had someone talk bad about you? Have you ever talked bad about someone? Guilty. He says that should go in the can. Obscene talk. Naughty talk. Vulgar talk. Dirty jokes. That kind of talk. Obscene talk. God says leave that in the can. Put that away. And lie. Lying. We can't be lying one to another, okay? We should, we must, verse 8 says, now you must put them all away. We must put them all away. And we move on to verse 9. What's it say then? Uh, this, no, sorry, verse 9 is, do not lie to one another. Why? Seeing that. Do you see the seeing that? You could say, because. Here's why we don't lie to one another. Here's why we don't slander one another. Here's why we don't talk bad or blow up at our kids and our wife in anger. Is because, he says, seeing that. You see this seeing that? It's kind of like a because. And instead of you have, I want you to put here in verses, um, from verse 9, I have. Seeing that because I have what? I have put off the old self. I and I have put on the new self. Okay? This is an important point. There we go. I have put off the old self and I have by God's grace put on the new self. Folks, this is very important. We just got done reading about how Christ has done this for us. Then why does it say I have done this? I think what's important for us as Christians is when the day dawns that we finally realize, wait a minute, I don't have to keep doing those old things because I'm alive in Christ. It would be a little bit like uh, someone having their chains untied and, and they could go free anytime they wanted to, but they still think they're chained. We have to understand the chains are broken in Christ. I have put off the old self. That's right. I'm raised with Jesus. I have put on the new self. And and those, again, past, present, or future tense. What is this one? I have put off the old self. What is that? Past, past tense. Thank you. And I have put on the new self. 
past tense. I have. It's past. But here is something that's vital in this whole understanding what I happened in Christ in the past. My old, my new self is what is being renewed in knowledge. My new self is being renewed in knowledge, beloved. How does our mind get renewed in knowledge? The word. Say that. The word. How does our mind get renewed in knowledge? The word. The word of God changes my mind. Psalm 19 says that the law of the Lord is perfect. It renews your mind. It converts your soul. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you believe. The Word of God changes this. Because see, once I become a Christian, in the Word of God, my new self is constantly, is being. Is that past, present, or future? It's now. Not only that, in the Greek, this they have a little different... Uh, verb tense it's like now ongoing it's like it's happening now but it'll happen tomorrow and it'll happen the day after God's word is renewing my new man is being renewed in the word of God how many of you have ever gone to bed at night and you have um, forgot to plug your cell phone in and you get up in the morning and it's like one bar way down low, 3%. You go, oh shoot, forgot to plug in my cell phone. And you know what? We get into the habit of plugging in our cell phone because we want the power. You know where I'm heading with this? You know where I'm heading with this? You want the power in your heart. You want the power in your life. You want your new self to be renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Then you need to plug in. I need to plug in. This isn't just a you all. I'm going to come over here and sit by Davey and Dan. And I need this too. I need to stay plugged in. He says, your new man is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. To the right there of your little Bible that's open, draw a cross. Right underneath forgiveness, draw a cross. This is an ongoing present kind of a thing, folks. Your heart and my heart, the new self in Jesus, needs to be renewed. It needs to be renewed. And so that's what we're that's where we're headed here. Okay, so we get down to verse um, eleven, and I think this is a this is an important verse because in verse eleven. Jesus makes a, uh, or me, Paul makes a very good point here. When we're new, when we're being renewed in Christ, he says this: Here, there, in the image of our Creator, there is not Greek and Jew, there is not circumcised and uncircumcised. All right, there is not what's he say, um, Scythian or barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Folks, do we have problems as people wanting to separate and divide ourselves into little groups? And then do we have a tendency to think we're better than someone else because we are the people who do do this? Okay? And it can be anything from the way you wear your hair, whether it's on your face or on your head. It can be the way you dress. You know, if you choose to wear this or that or go here or go there. And we have this tendency to judge one another in the body of Christ. And we start to think we're better than other people because I don't do that. Or I don't do this. And I wish, oh, 
I'm not like that person. Well, Paul just takes a whole bunch of things that were pretty important to these people. Jews, Greeks, they had drawn lines. Barbarians, Scythians, are you a slave or are you free? God just, I mean, in the word here, he just says, it doesn't matter, y'all. Christ is all and in all. And if you forget that, if you think you're better than your sister or brother because you do or don't, or they do or they don't, then he says, whoa, 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 you're missing something. This renewed mind has got to understand Christ is all in all and in all. So, he's kind of gone through this. We are raised with Christ. We're going to put, put these things to death. We're going to put these things off. Now, are you feeling like you need to put something on? You know that feeling? You come in, and you've been sweating, and it's been really hot, and you're all stinky. It's August in Idaho, and it's 103 degrees, and you just finished mowing, and you don't smell so good. You don't look so good. You come in, and what are you going to do? You're going to put off the stinky old clothes, right? And then, what are you going to do? You're going to put on some new clothes, right? Thank you. That's what some boys who are, you know, anti-bath do, but uh, we're beyond that. We, what do you do next? You shower. You're going to get in and you're going to shower and that is going to feel so good and oh, all that grime and the sweat and the smell is rinsed away. You come out of the shower. Now what? Where are them clothes? Oh, you dry, things. Yeah, as soon as you dry. I don't advise putting your clothes on the ground. Where are those dirty clothes? Let's go put the dirty clothes on. No. We're going to go over to the closet. Brandon and I are going out for a date. I'm going to find something that looks nice, put on a little clone, shave. I'm going to be a new man. And, and you know what? The idea of coming out of the shower and putting on stinky clothes, we all just go, that is disgusting. But unfortunately, so many of us come, we walk through the Christian life and we forget we have this renewed, fresh, clean mind in Christ. And I start yelling at my wife like I'm not a believer. Or I start treating my kids like I'm not a Christian daddy. Or I go to websites where no godly Christian man should ever go to. You follow me, folks? I'm tempted. But you know what? God says, no, you're alive. Get over here in the new clothes. What does he want us to put on? Look what it says here in verse 12. In verse 12, he says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Ken, can you put that last slide up for me? I didn't, I didn't take the time. All right. Is there any more on that? That's it? Okay, I thought I added another slide. Okay, there you go. There you go. Beside your cross, chosen, holy, and beloved. Put that down. You are chosen, just like God chose you to be His adopted child. Remember, Christ died, reconciled you so that you could be holy. He could present you holy. And you are beloved. And if if you have never had the privilege of being beloved... Know this, God loves you. He would call you as His child, beloved. Beloved child, we are these things. We go from the the filth of our old life, through the shower and washing and regeneration, through the cross. We come over here to a new wardrobe. And in this new wardrobe, this is what He says. Verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, His holy and beloved, put on 
First of all, compassionate hearts. Put on a compassionate heart. Be compassionate. Remember this. Remember the old song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. Can you imagine being a blind person and someone opening your eyes? Now, as someone who once was blind and lost, when you look at other people, you should not go, what's their problem? They're blind and lost. Right? I mean, if you, we wouldn't even think that way about a blind and lost person. But sometimes we as Christians can think other than compassionate thoughts toward others. And God would say, put on compassionate hearts. Be concerned about others. Put on kindness. What is kindness? It's just doing the things that are kind. Instead of doing the things that are selfish or mean, I'm doing the things that are kind. How about humility? We've been reading through the Bible, if you're on the walkthrough team, and when we got to Jonathan, he, he was the son of the king. Which means, according to ancient tradition, even modern traditions in some countries, you are the next king, right? But he says no to his friend David. You will be king, and I will be under you. That's humility. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? Who, being in the form of God, didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he took upon himself the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He was hum- humble. He displayed humility. What is meekness? I heard meekness defined this way. Meekness is that strength, that, that character quality that allows me to accept whatever God gives me as good and therefore without complaining or resistance. I accept what God wants to do in my life. I have meekness. I understand God's up to something good. I'm going to let Him do His thing. I have meekness. Patience. Anyone here need patience? Wow, just a couple of you. That's great. I'm nervous. Come on. This is a chance to help you. Okay, in the Bible, tribulation develops patience. Oh, you just all signed up for tribulations. You know that, right? You need patience? God says, okay. Uh, but patience is where I can wait. We talked this morning about waiting on the Lord. That's hard sometimes. Waiting for God to work is hard. But patience. And sometimes we lack patience at the four-way stop. There's, a, there's an 82-year-old or something ahead of me. It's a stoplight. And the light turns green. How long have you waited before you say something? Come on, Grandpa. How many of you are grandpas? Patience. Patience is willing to put up with things, and that leads us to the next one, which is forbearance. Look at what it says. Hopefully you've still got your Bible open. It says here, bearing with one another. That's forbearance. That means if you do something to me that I don't necessarily like, or it's hard to take sometimes, I bear with you. Okay? I bear with you. You know what? There's a lot of imperfections in my life. And the people who know it best are the people who have my last name, who live in my house. And they can tell you, I need more forbearance. I need to be more forbearing. We, we would do well as a family to have more forbearance with one another. But it says this, we should be forbearing, bearing with one another. And then the last thing it gets to is this. And if you do have a complaint, look at this. If this, this may apply to all, I believe this applies to all of us. Bearing with one another, and if, if one has a complaint against another, just if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. So if someone actually does 
violate you or sin against you, step on your toes, violate your rights, whatever, then we're to be forgiving. I'm supposed to be forbearing, and if you do sin against me, I'm supposed to be forgiving. Now, that doesn't mean that we as Christians, we allow people just to keep sinning against us and sinning against us. There's another topic about how if you do sin against me, biblically, I am required to lovingly confront you about that because I'm concerned about you. I'm not so much worried about the fact that you're hurting me, but I want to help you. I would come to you. That's another lesson. But in this case, we're practicing forgiveness. And if you saw what it says here, it says, there's two things I want to point out. Forgiving each other as... If you're not in the habit of underlining your Bible, it's okay to do so. But that little word, forgiving each other as, as what? Now, how high is that standard? How much has the Lord forgiven you? And he says, I want you all to be forgiving one another as much as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also, here's another important word, must forgive. I remember one time I had sinned against my brother. We were both adults and married life. We had a kid to learn. I had sinned against my brother. I needed to ask him forgiveness. And when I told him I was sorry, I said, Annie, I said, I am really sorry. Will you forgive me? He says, um, I want to. Bless his heart, because I had kind of cranked his shaft, if you will, and he was a little upset with me. He had reason to get to me. I was in the wrong, but he says, I want to. Oh, God, give us the want to, right? I want to forgive you, but you know what? If you need a little more than want to, here's God commanding you, you must forgive. And above all these, okay, once we've got all these things put on, I put on compassion of heart, kindness. He says, put on love. Okay? Put on, put on love. Now, maybe you saw where I was headed with this. So, yeah, about where your neck would be. Let's let's put this on, shall we? Okay, here we go. Okay, put on love. This is what we're going to be wearing, folks. And love is important. Why is love important? It says, because put on love, which binds all these things together. It's all wrapped up, tied up, bound up in love. In fact, when you get to 1 Corinthians 13, it just kind of summarizes. Love one another. That means this. Okay? Let's just keep it simple. Jesus was the great simplifier, right? We went from however many hundred commandments in the Old Testament. He said, let's uh, think about the two greatest, love God and love others. I'll give you a new one. You love one another as I have loved you. Any questions? Church dismissed. We'll go home and love one another. God is the great simplifier. I need more forbearance. I'm going to forbear with that comment. Put on love. Okay? But that's not all. What else does he tell us here? He said, uh, and above all, he's put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let... This is a choice. Let. You don't have to let. Let is something that will happen if you let it. Let the peace of peace of Christ. So we're going to take this little uh, circle here and turn it into a peace sign. This is the peace of Christ. This is the peace of Christ. Does anyone know what an orb is? I didn't know what an orb was until I did this lesson. Who knows what an orb is? Yeah? It is a sphere. Do you know when when kings uh, uh, 
at coronation ceremonies, sometimes they will hold a couple things in their hand. A scepter and an orb. Okay? And that little picture we had up here earlier, that Bill had on like, the last songs we sung, that looked like a crown with a little cross on the top of it. Imagine that being a round, kind of like a, a glass ball with gold ornamentation and a cross on it. But in our case, it's got the peace sign. Let the peace of Christ do what? I'm going to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. You said, Jeff, you pointed to the head. Yep, that's right. Because I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. Where I desire things, where I want things, where I seek things, let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. What's the rest of the verse say? He says, um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now when you write the word thanks in your quotation mark here, Leave a little space and put an exclamation point, okay? Thanks. Be thankful. He says this in verse uh, um, 15. We're going to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart so that when people try to bother me or life bothers me, it's okay. It's okay. I've got the peace of Christ ruling in my heart. Okay? The peace of Christ is ruling in my heart. And then he goes on and he says, To the which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Would you agree, based on the story of the, um, the ten lepers, true story, when Jesus heals ten lepers, how many of them came back to be thankful? One out of ten. Moms, let's start with the mothers. Would you agree that thankfulness is about a one out of ten thing around your house? If that, if that on a good day, one out of ten return to give Jesus things, how many meals do you make? Everybody gets up, gone. And you might have been in the kitchen for a couple hours or so. How many times do you get thanked? Well, let me ask you this question. For us men, boys, and children, how many times does laundry show up in your room in a basket? Oh, now I have to go through the headache of putting it away. Well, somebody washed it for you. Are you thankful? Or is thankfulness a lost art? Listen to what he says. I want you to be thankful. You let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and you be thankful. He says, let the word of Christ. So this is the word. Make it of Christ. This is the word of Christ. Dwell in you richly. Think about what Jesus said. Memorize scripture verses. Meditate on the Bible promises. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then what are we supposed to be doing? teaching and admonishing or encouraging one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay, so put whatever you want to make for a little music symbol. Some of you would be better at this. I don't know, this is some kind of a note, okay? So put whatever you want in there, little note, singing and making melody in your hearts, right? Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with, again, here's that word, with thankfulness. Oh, he said it again. He said, give thanks. He said, with thankfulness. All right? And we go on. He says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here he's going to say it again. Giving thanks. Underline it another time. This is important to God. Now, we're laying a foundation here, folks. I think the apostle does a great job in this epistle laying a foundation because... Do you know what? Next week, or excuse me, in two weeks, next week we'll have Easter Sunday. And it's a great place. This is a great pause for Easter. You know why? Next Sunday, 
Tyler's going to preach about the power of the resurrection and Christ being alive and what that means to the Christian, all that works for us. Remember I said you, you wouldn't start your day without your cell phone charge. Don't start your Christian life without first having that resurrection experience of Jesus plugging into Christ. Well, tomorrow, or excuse me, next Sunday, we're going to hear about how the resurrection is our power source. We can do all this because of the resurrection. A great time to pause for Easter. But then in two weeks, we're going to pick up where Paul picks it up next. He's going to be talking about wives, husbands, children, fathers. He's going to be talking about employees, employers, things like this. He's going to get it real practical. But you know what, folks? Let me ask you a question this. If he stopped here... If Colossians 3, 1 through 17 was all the Bible we had and we were p- putting these things to death, putting these things away, we were understanding I, have, I, I am uh, new in Christ, I'm, my mind is being renewed, and I do all of these things. This is kind of funny because I asked my wife this week, I said, so how would you like to have a husband who had a compassionate heart and was full of kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forbearance forgiving and above all the things he put on love he let the peace of Christ he had the word of Christ and he was always thankful she said sign me up <laughs> sign me up I would love it how many of us you think about that uh, uh, children would you like to have your dad act like this that would be helpful wouldn't it would you like to have your children act like this would you like to have your wife I mean, folks, if we just stopped right here and said, this is it, Grace Fellowship Church, for the next year we're just going to focus on this. Would this change? This is a changer. Would you agree? Would this change your home? Would this change? I'm going to pick on Pastor Bill for just a second. Would this change the back of the home? Just this chapter alone. Would this make a difference? In, 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 Pastor Bill saying, yeah. I'm saying yes. This, this is a game changer, folks. This is a game changing passage of Scripture. When the child of God gets this, we are really getting something important. Don't forget. Turn your paper over. What is so important about all of this? My life is hid with Christ in God. I have resurrection power. I'm not trying to do this on my own. I understand who I am, where I am, and how I'm going to get there because I'm seeking in my heart the things that are above. Okay. We'll pause for Easter, but it's a great place to pause. We need the resurrection. And in two weeks, we'll pick it up. How do we put this into practice in my family? Okay. For now, you've got a little homework. I do want you to take some time this week. Read the Easter stories. I don't care which of the Gospels you choose to read or read them. All, read all four of them if you get real energetic. But next week, let's focus on Christ. And as Pastor Bill mentioned, this Friday night, we're going to be having a good Friday service right here in this church. Okay? We might be the only church in town having church that night. So, anyone you want to invite, you don't have to worry about them having other plans. Just invite them to church. The topic is going to be, is what is so good about Good Friday? Alright? And I I ran a little announcement in the uh, Citizen this week with that as the flag. In fact, the, the gentleman who runs the ad department let me put this little notice on the front cover of the Preston the Citizen that says, What's so good about Good Friday? So don't hesitate to bring someone. You might ask someone this week, have you ever wondered what's so good about Good Friday? They said, oh, I never thought about that. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about that this Friday at church. We'll look forward to seeing you here. Let's be, prayerful. Let's be prayerful. But most of all, may God help us live this in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that your word is so wonderfully complete in all of its instruction. 
And as we realize the implications of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection so that we could die to the old self, we could be coming alive in Christ, our minds constantly being renewed by your word. Oh God, we pray that you would help us live out the, the husbands and the wives, the dads and the moms, the children and the, the parents and the employees of, of Grace Fellowship Church. May we be putting your word in our heart that you might receive honor and glory as we live it out for you this week and, and next week and the week after. Lord, again, thank you for Easter. Touch our hearts this week as we look to the cross in your name. Amen. God bless you all. Please stand up. We're going to sing a closing song this morning. Because the truth is we can't do this on our own. Uh, When we try, we fail. We need God's help. So let's ask Him to light that fire in our hearts again. Sing it with me. I stand to praise you, but I fall on my knees. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. Light the fire in my soul, fan the flame, make me whole. Lord, you know where I've been, so light the fire in my heart again. I feel your arms around me as the power of your healing begins. Your Spirit moves right through me like a mighty rushing wind. Light the fire in my soul and the flame make me whole Lord you know where I've been so light the fire in my heart again light the fire in my soul and the flame make me Lord, you know where I've been, so light the fire in my heart again, light the fire in my heart again, light the fire in my heart again.